Uh, this is Graham Parpan again, and next up we have our candidates for Riverhead Town Supervisor incumbent Yvette Aguiar, as well as challenger Councilwoman Catherine Kent. The questions for this again came from Riverhead News Review reporter Tim Gannon, along with the editors who weigh in on the endorsements, our executive editor Steve Wick, News Review editor Joe Workmeister, and myself, content editor Grant Parpan. We hope you'll take the time out to listen to this, as well as the previously published episode that featured our uh, candidates for Riverhead Town Board before you head out and vote in the election. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Well, I'm Catherine Kent. I am currently a council person on the Riverhead Town Board. This is my fourth year. I am a lifelong resident of Riverhead, and I was also a teacher in Riverhead. I taught in Riverhead over 30 years, and I taught a grand total of 38 years. So those between being a lifelong resident and working with all the young families of Riverhead and now serving on the town board, I have a very solid understanding of our town and our issues. And I feel that I have been the voice of the people. You know, people will often say to me, oh, you're the lone Democrat or you are the lone wolf. I don't feel alone at all on the board. I feel that I have the people of Riverhead behind me and I am certainly the voice of the people. So I'm very proud of the work that I've been able to do as a council person. I made it my quest going into office that I would be a watchdog for EPCAL and that I would strive for the best thing we could get a deal at EPCAL. I wanted to work on the revitalization of the downtown. I wanted to work to steer development in a way that it still preserves our rural and historic character. You know, we want progress, but at the same time, we need to be careful about the development. And I feel very confident that I have delivered on all of that. Certainly with EPCAL, I have strong concerns about, um, I think we should walk away from this. I think it's the worst real estate deal in the Northeast. I think there have been you know, countless red flags. They have refused to show us financial documents. They have shown us a development plan that looked like it was cut and pasted out of some other some other town's plan. And, you know, they have, um, you know, I, I demanded that they come in and show us financial documents. They gave us a financial document that we couldn't see with a non-disclosure on it. You know, with EPCAL, I think that we need to reconfigure that, walk away from the deal, reconfigure that property, look at perhaps even dividing it up into thirds. It's difficult to market such a large piece of property. As far as development's concerned, certainly I'm pro-development, but it has to be done with a plan. You know, you have to think about long term. You can't just look at the short term in development. You have to look at, you know, the impacts, traffic, the schools, trees that are being cleared. You know, we have to look not just at developing something short term, but looking at how it will be in in the long term. Um, So also, you know, I think it's very important with development that we maintain our infrastructure. It is very important that we enhance our police department. You know, we're moving forward with development downtown, which I'm very proud of, and I'm going to go into that a little bit, but we have not enhanced our police department, and honestly, what could be more important than safety? You can talk about revitalization, you can talk about deals at EPCAL, you can talk about development within the community, but if you don't have safety, 
nothing else matters. So I do feel that my opponent has defunded the police. I'm certainly willing to go into that more, but their budget for equipment and vehicles was literally cut in half. And the number of officers has not kept pace with the department. We have the same number of police officers right now that we had in 1990 when we were 23,000 people. And the current census just showed us at 36,000 people. So we need to not just add officers for retirement, but we need to enhance the department. So I think those are a few of my issues. Safety, oh, water, you know, along the ways of maintaining infrastructure, we need to think about our water. You know, we, we have to keep up the infrastructure, and we should be asking developers to pay into those projects. And, and so big picture, I'm going to say why I'm running. Big picture is because I am actually extremely frustrated with seeing outside interests running our town. I'm a homegrown person. I'm a homegrown girl here. I love our town. I've been advocating for Riverhead my entire life. And it is shocking to me to see outside interests and developers driving the deals instead of the town. We should be driving the deals. We should be advocating for the people of Riverhead. Um, and that's big picture. I'm willing to work hard, roll up my sleeves, and do whatever it takes to get Riverhead moving along in the right direction. Uh, sure. My name is Yvette Aguiar, and I'm the town super, supervisor in just uh, just two short years. And uh, I, uh, unfortunately, my opponent stated that um, she's uh, running as a Democrat and uh, and mentioned the word um, lone wolf. wolf. Uh, I'm running on working for the entire public, regardless of party associations. Once you come into office, it's unethical to use party associations regarding um, the workings and, and the mechanism and the operations. And I had no public uh, uh, political affiliations when I took office. I And I think that's one of the reasons that I was elected. I served 20 years as a retired sergeant from the New York City Police Department. Um, I retired from the Counterterrorism Division, which I was one of the first supervisors assigned with a $100 million budget, um, and we started from scratch with an empty warehouse. I received all the military training and hazmat and bomb detection and uh, uh, law enforcement, uh, terrorist identification um, with the CIA, the military. Um, we uh, started a global intelligence unit, and by the time I left, we had a, a world-renowned um, agency. We also had to hire employees and personnel, and um, we had to work with um, um, intelligence agencies and other governments. And it was a, it's a huge collaborative effort, which I helped lead directly myself. Um, uh, after 20 years of service, I retired from the New York City Police Department, and uh, I commenced on a PhD program. I received a PhD uh, in business administration with a specialization in homeland security. Uh, thereafter, I um, commenced working as a professor with the American Military University, which I've been uh, with for nine years. Um, I teach online on my spare time and midnight when I break nights. Um, we have 144 students worldwide. I teach in the global intelligence and the security management um, department. Uh, I'm also a New York State real estate um, licensed agent. I'm very familiar with real estate acquisitions. And um, 
I also served as, as the chair of the, of the Criminal Justice College at Briarcliff College. And again, with million dollar budgets, with personnel management. And uh, three years ago, I decided that I think I had the credentials, the tools, the experience, and the knowledge to lead Riverhead. And again, having no political association as far as um, knowing politicians or anyone in Riverhead, I embarked on um, trying to pursue a career um, in, uh, not necessarily a career, but to help govern, um, you know, Riverhead. And um, I've lived in out east. Uh, for the last uh, 20 somewhat years. And um, finally, I decided to build my dream home overlooking the farm here in Riverhead, and that's where I reside. Uh, concerning EPCAL, um, we have had many executive sessions with both an independent council and a special council. And the uh, councilwoman has been at those meetings, and they have specifically instructed us that if we walk away from this contract, uh, there is a clause that. Um, we may uh, tie up the property for at least five years and absorb the co legal costs. It is a concern. I inherited this contract. It is, as a real estate agent, it was a terrible contract. I can't undo what was done in the past. What I can do is be guided from the legal perspective, work with the town board, and try to see where we are. I intend by the, um, by the end of January to have a full analysis with a timeline line regarding EPCAL and, 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 and push uh, to see where we, we, we are going to go. Uh, I have worked with the governor's office, personally with Steve Ballone, our county executive, and they are supporting this effort to go forward. Um, the, our... Uh, the problem we're facing is that uh, the Suffolk County Water Authority has claimed in 2009, um, and we do have the documentation, that they are they can service the area, um, the EPCAL, the entire EPCAL area. And we do have court rulings have indicated that they do not have a hold on to it. And so this is the stalemate we, we're in, and it's got to stop. Eventually, this has to be... Uh, definitely address. As far as pro-development, unfortunately, uh, I, I have to disagree with the councilwoman. What has she done in four years? I've been here a little, uh, just just about two years. Um, yes, we, uh, the town is moving, revitalization is moving. Um, however, uh, it's not moving in an ad hoc, quick, uh, un- uh, uh, in a, in a quick um, fashion, it's moving appropriately with the planning department, and uh, and the entire town board has to um, vote on it, not just one individual or two individuals. There's five votes, and the councilwoman has equal votes in, in, in that regard. As far as taxes, uh, I am very, very familiar with taxes, and the councilwoman has stated that I defunded the police, and unfortunately, that statement saying, Last year's budget had this amount, and this year's budget has this amount. It's very juvenile thinking. Uh, as a person, as the chief executive financial officer of the town of Riverhead, you have to look at budgets over the course of three years. And you have to look at what expenditures were made and what money you may have left over or what additions you gave to that department. So if, for example, she is correct, it shows less, less money in the equipment section, but we already purchased three cars that they requested the year before and used the funds. You're not gonna add those funds to 
this year and they they received the vehicles that they wanted. So that's what budgeting is all about. It's a very, very lengthy. You have to move things. You have to average. You have to give the people what they need. I am endorsed by the PBA. We've worked great with them. Uh, they understand we've had meetings. I am increasing the staffing. We are doing analysis, and we're also working on redirecting some efforts, possibly having a, a, a mobile unit downtown. These are the things that you do um, in law enforcement, and, and you work. And again, I was endorsed by the PBA. Uh, we have a great re- relationship, and I do not believe in def- defunding the police. Uh, regarding our water, we have pure, we have plenty of uh, of clean water. The infrastructure is the problem. When developers come in, we, the taxpayers should not endure that uh, expense. And it seems in the past that maybe some of them have, and that's stopping. Under my direction, that is stopping. And anyone who uh, comes to the town of Riverhead from this point on, as of six months ago, because it was a practice uh, in, in, in prior years and administration, we have to look at the water as a separate course, and we have to build the infrastructure, and it should not be based on the um, on the uh, taxpayers' bill. Uh, the Manorville, there's 60 homes that have had, had problems for 20 years, and that's a very long time. This administration, my administration, in less than two years, years have done more for Manorville. I am personally directly working with our two senators, with our congressmen. I created, as soon as I got into office, I put in a resolution to create a map and plan. And why? I wanted to be proactive. As soon as the funds are located, whether it's the Suffolk County Water Authority or um, Riverhead Water District, they can be set up. That is in place. No one's ever done anything along um, this, uh, these regards uh, concerning hooking them up and being prepared and re- ready. We also apply for two grants. The same grants that the Suffolk County Water Authority put uh, submitted for, we have submitted. We just recently uh, got news from the Schumer's office that the uh, um, one of our grants is moving very well, quite quickly, and we anticipate a response on that end. Why am I running? I have the knowledge, I have the desire, I have the experience, I have um, great uh, personnel management skills. When I came to office, the entire town hall was totally demoralized. One person got on their knees and said, thank you. I, it, 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 it was sad to see where I had to go. I went through through each department, constantly trying to motivate people, send them holiday cards, things, those little short things. And um, we've accomplished a great deal in in just less than than two years. Finally, our town square on Monday, uh, the two buildings across uh, the street from the Suffolk Theater theater will be demolished. Um, We have a press conference, by the way, guys, and there'll be a press release coming out. These are real sure signs. These are things that are happening. People saying that there's all these committees and all these plans and the talk of a town square 20 years ago. Yeah, well, it's me that made it possible. I led the team. What's happening on Monday, it's not just me. I provided the leadership, but it's the employees the department heads, the CDA, who asked under COVID, under the governor's shutdown, to come in, 
because they were finally felt comfortable to work and had the freedom to move this town. February, uh, a month after I took office, the global pandemic started creeping across the United States. And we knew that we were going to shut down. We knew it at least a month before. Came March, when we're putting up shields and trying to ascertain PPE, our CDA team decided we want to come in. Can we please, supervisor, come in? I said, okay, uh, as long as you social distance. And they went night and day. We're dealing with the pandemic, and they'd be running in. We have this idea. We started from scratch. We planted the seed. We held up. Once we knew what, where we were going, identify what we wanted to do, we had a well-received press conference a few months later. We've got funding. Uh, our county executive, I urged him to remove uh, to transfer funding from open space to open space at the town square. Legislator Krupski was also instrumental. We had to create legislation. We got funds under COVID for that. We planted the seed. Tomorrow it's going to be, uh, on Monday it's going to be reality. We're going to see real significant, significant progress here in Riverhead. I would like to have uh, a, a second term. It's only a two-year term. And uh, to continue what I started, I work very, very well with, with our town board. Um, unfortunately, the councilwoman has refused to speak to me. Um, we had a meeting a, a year and a half ago. We had the town attorney. We had other people. She stormed out, made all kinds of claims and allegations. And to this day, she has not reached out to me. Um, she has not informed me of any of the uh, projects that we have. She is a liaison. The liaison is a liaison to me. Nothing, nothing on any of her pro uh, of her projects. Uh, we have sent countless of emails. They're all documented. We're going to meet as a group. Catherine, please come in. We want to inform you of what's going on downtown. Have not seen her during the pandemic for five months. We did not see her in town hall except when we started meetings. In either case, I'm not here to go back. I'm here to move our town forward. And everything that I've done, I've gotten at least four votes on the board. And we're going to continue this. We should work cohesively, stop pointing fingers, stop claiming uh, if, when we have a problem, claiming that uh, the world is, you know, the sky is falling. Our job as elected officials is to take a problem and solve it. That's what the people elected. Not to point fingers or something evolves, and because you're running for office, to make it your platform. We might not have to ask any questions. I think we covered it all. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I have, a, I have responses, okay. if you didn't notice. All right, so let's go quick responses, but then let's get into some questions. Okay, but there was a, that's a lot to unpack. So um, actually what I said as far as party is quite the opposite. And this has been a real issue with the supervisor that she doesn't listen. She doesn't listen to the people. What I actually said is I am team Riverhead. I can't be bothered with party labels. It's about who knows the people of Riverhead and cares about the people of Riverhead. And my heart is solely there. So part of the issue has been that she has walled out our community, and I mean literally. When the pandemic hit and people needed us the most, what happened? A wall went up and a police person was put at the front door as if the community was going to come at us with pitchforks. They needed to see us. They were frightened. She 
got rid of Zoom. Zoom was a great option. Good things can come from bad. And Zoom option is great for many people. Meetings were changed where there aren't very many meetings at night. People were interrupted while they were talking. They were dropped from Zoom. People um, are read the Riot Act three times in a meeting about how they can't go past five minutes. Um, she's actually speaking to other people on the dais while someone is speaking at the mic. And you want to talk about people in the town listening to the community, and you take over 70% of your donations from outside interests with open and pending applications? I find that uh, horrendous. She closed off her office. She doesn't have night hours. She doesn't know our town. EPCAL, I was stunned the other day when we were in a meeting that our supervisor, when we, I was talking about walking away from the deal, she, this is what she said. Well, we'll go to the end. We'll see what they want to do. And then we'll have a Q&E. We had a Q&E. Why are we letting other people drive the deals? We should be advocating for Riverhead. We should be getting what's best for our town. And yes, there's a clause in the contract that at 365 days, we can walk away. You know, everyone's always throwing. I'm constantly hearing, oh, we're, there's going to be litigation. You know what? If there's one thing I've learned in these four years, that's thrown about all the time. This is this is, deal is an embarrassment, and we need to put something good at EPCAL, not just for Riverhead, but for the whole region. As far as not inheriting it, um, you know, she, she had the opportunity to walk away, so she needs to own that. Um, and I did call to walk. I have been calling to walk away, and I've been asking for finances. We can stop this contract now. As far as everything that's happening downtown, I'm going to own it. When I came into office, the first thing I did was put together a 16-member committee from within the community of all kinds of stakeholders to work on the downtown, and they brought up lots of topics. Then from there, that committee got the town to – I helped find the funding, and that committee got the town to do the pattern book, which is a long-range plan so that we're not doing hodgepodge development in the downtown area. And we did a survey to see what the community wanted. The community wanted – three-story and the developers wanted seven and eight stories so the pattern book which we brought i was very careful to be inclusive and bring everyone to the table in the end the pattern book says that it the buildings are to be four-story with the fourth story set back so that the developer gets their density and yet the community doesn't see that visual impact that is upsetting to them all. Also, there's a lot of architectural elements built into the pattern book. The problem with the pattern book is they have stalled it in adopting the zoning, I think, so that they can let their friend, developer friends, get their projects through. Yes, I have equal votes, and I stand up strongly. Um, as far as the budget, the budget, you know, you can brag that you have a 0% increase. And yes, I am glad that we have a 0% increase. Unfortunately, it was done on the backs of the employees, and that includes the PD. I do think we got to get into questions. I know. Just, I'm almost done. I know. No, but it's giant writing. Um, water, Calverton and Matterville. You know, I'll address that if we get into water, what we need to do we'll there. Get into the issue. Yeah, th right. she has written notes, so, so I, I, I'm speaking on from my heart the truth. And I, I'll be very quick. The pandemic no, I'm and the still war. talking. So as far as the town square has 
happened, you know, my opponent has stated that she stood out there and had this vision. Simply not true. That was already in the plans. We already, that was in grants that we did in 2018 and 2019, and we had already received a million dollars in grants. And I am very excited about the town square. I think it can transform that area. As far as being an advocate for the town, this isn't just a job to me. This is a passion for me. If it was a job, I would have stayed on the council. This is, I, I'm putting it all on the line. You know, it's, I, I want to be the town supervisor. I feel I'm the right person for the job. And as I said, I put it all on the line um, and gave up my council seat. Ms. Hager, did you want to say something? Yeah, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll be real quick. As far as the pandemic, we were at the shutdown from the governor's office. We had to create, we had no security. We were in the process of creating security. Uh, we couldn't find any plexiglass, and it had to be done immediately so we can keep people uh, um, safe, the public, us, but we still have mailboxes, and people did hand it you receipts and so forth. Zoom, we were the first to go on Zoom because I first thing I did in January was enhance our IT department. We were the first to go on Zoom. We always have public hearings under Zoom. We also, um, uh, 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 we, we were the first peop, uh, town to open up for months. Okay, so we've always had our town hall open. Um, as, uh, as far as cutting people off, there's a five minute limit. You cannot go on and on. And if people, if it, it, it's been a standard so to make that what the public is not open absolutely and it, they've always been as far as business donations they know you Catherine you are you stalled business there is no faith in you and it is nothing wrong with a business to support me it does not change my the application process there is an entire process and all we do is vote just like you do at the end. So making those kind of claims, uh, searching for answers, uh, uh, concerning the revitalization committee, you haven't met. I have I have some agendas. They're in my office. It's, uh, it was, it, it's all dissolved. Nobody talks to each other. You've never spoken to us. We created this, owning this. It was the CDA in February of 2020 when we got in. As far as the patent book, the patent book I met as soon as the grant was issued and I got elected. I met with the creator and we changed the direction. That's when I instructed them. And this has been said publicly at town board meetings that, yes, she gave me ideas. She wanted the zoning. She wanted the security and uh, and or in in these uh, in this regards as far as the grants grants were in the way you didn't get them the grant did and it was only one it's not plural i got the funding from the county from the state in the middle of the pandemic Okay, a couple of things. I promise I'll be. I, uh, no, I'm going to be. We're going to go to questions. But Jane, I just. Yes, well, I just want to. I, I promise I'll be really quick. The notes I'm done. I didn't bring in notes. I took notes now. As far as coming in, I have come in to meet with the supervisor, and she either keeps me waiting for three hours, only for me to find out she's not even in town hall, or she brings me in and starts threatening me silly stuff tape my radio show or her campaign you know i don't have we have work to be done and also lastly we should not be having meetings and discussing things behind closed doors we work for the people we should have public discussions yes and that's a lot of drama Catherine. i just want to say one thing Tim, ask a question you, you haven't been in the office you don't work with the town board there's five of us and we can you're not a team player unfortunately you are acting as since i got into office you're one of the most difficult employees i have ever seen 
supervised and I have supervised I'm not thousand and the dry the, the drama's got to stop the crying down the halls the yelling at people like you did after the last work session where the reporters were there you yelled at a candidate ran out of the you can't do that this drama has to stop okay Tim ask the question those are false allegations the uh, town on two occasions at least um, both solar farm application um, had like a community benefit thing where the town approves the uh, application and in turn the town gets money from the applicant it was like a thousand million dollars a month uh, some people might think this is like pay to play uh, how do you how do you feel well, I'm going to say on solar projects, certainly, you know, let's look at big picture on solar. I am in favor of renewable energy. The problem with the solar projects is they're all going into one small area. They're all going into the 11933 zip code, and that's over 660 acres of solar. So that's a that's a concern, you know. And also one of the concerns of the community, because you bring up the community benefit, is you know the people say, what are the benefits to us? You know, we had discussed possibly, you know, our energy costs should be offset. Um, so you know, as far as the community should have some kind of benefit. And because, I, you know, I was not in support of doing a neg deck on the Nextera project that actually got <coughs> neg decked and that, you know, was a friend of my opponent. But I'm not against solar, but we need to look at the overall impacts of solar. And we also need to have some kind of community to some kind of benefit to the people of the area. So you um, are not, a, not opposed to taking like a million dollars in exchange for the approval? You know, I think there should be some kind of benefit, and that was some kind of benefit to us. I understand what you're saying, but we're getting all this solar into our area. And let's face it, in Riverhead, we solve a lot of regional issues, and we're bringing in this solar. You know, a lot of it is to help the people on the South Shore during their busy season. So certainly we have to look at the whole process. I don't. I would say I am not against the community benefit because I want something to go to the people of Riverhead and particularly the people of Calverton. Okay, uh, and that's called community benefit, the, uh, any funds that we receive. So Nextera was NECDAC and uh, the whole town board decides that. I know everything gets blamed on the supervisor, but we do have a town board, five people, equal votes. And uh, I, as far as saying that it was a friend of, uh, of myself, oh, you, you're constantly pointing fingers. I know you're running for office, but stop that. Run on your record. Run on, on what you've done. And instead of pointing fingers, um, I'm pointing fingers at you because we need to work together. And that's the goal. Um, it's, uh, yes, there is a benefit for the next era. There was a $1.5 million benefit. And we dispersed it through the community to the fire, to the um, to five hundred one Cs, to the ambulance. We got equipment, um, and we're gonna uh, fund. Um, we're hoping to fund the uh, police cameras and uh, enhancing the equipment of the police department. We're also in enhancing uh, personnel, which we have to. And there's uh, the second solar project, which is at a state level. We didn't have any control over it. It was approved, and we are almost completed. We're going to ask for more money. It's a bigger project. Um, I believe it's going to... Uh, 
at, at the moment, we're looking at $2 million with $180,000, which is required by the state. The state states for every $500, uh, $500 for every megawatt has to be given. That's their regulations. So that's the $180,000. And uh, yes, and that will be distributed back to the community. So just on the neg deck, I actually voted no to the neg deck because I felt that when you're putting that much solar into one small area, it's all going right around Edwards Avenue, there are bound to be impact. You need to look at the cumulative impacts. And I always, you know, one of my main issues, I, I want to keep things moving along and streamlining. I don't want to slow down the process on things. But you need to look at the environmental impacts of things. And that would be so people know that's traffic and, you know, visual impacts and all the different things. So I think it's very important to do a CEQRA on projects. And frankly, if we did the CEQRA straight out at the beginning on a lot of these things, then the project would actually move along faster. Just explain what NIGDEC and CEQRA offer listeners. Okay, so uh, CEQRA is an environmental review that we do of projects. And that isn't just looking at things with the environment, that's looking at lots of things. Let's say the apart one of the apartments downtown got a negative declaration. I voted against that neg deck as well. That's because we have to look at the impacts of the schools. Perhaps you know they'll say in these apartments we're only getting eight kids from the schools, but we're actually getting a lot more, and we have a concern about our schools being crowded. They'll talk about traffic. They'll talk about lights. You know where the water runoff is. You know, these are all impacts that we look at. And when they look at the cumulative impacts, you know, when you have several of one type of project, like downtown, you've got several five-story buildings going into one small area, you really need to do a secret analysis, state environmental review, and look at the impacts of, of the project. So what's happened with the board, and sometimes, you know, on some smaller things, I think a neg deck is okay. But the board, this board, some of my council mates, including the supervisor, are okay with rubber stamping projects and not having them go through the full um, review. So Nextera was the largest solar project we ever had. It got a neg deck. And then along came another project where the town had an opportunity to weigh in um, at the state level and, you know, of the community and, and how it, what we need and what we advocate for ourselves. And actually, the supervisor dropped the ball on that and no one weighed in, which is also a travesty. Okay, so uh, talking about the sequel, when uh, a neck deck doesn't mean that we don't look at the uh, the impacts of the environment. There's every project is different. So if you're near wetlands, we have to review that. If it's going to be on Main Street, we have to look at the traffic. So there is a, whole, a different process. It's just not as comprehensive. I know that uh, my opponent is claiming, you know, that I dropped the ball, dropped the ball. Well, why didn't she pick up the ball? that I dropped. She had four years to do all this. So, I, you know, it's just very disturbing to see this, but we're going to move on. As far as the second project, um, that is at a state level. There is an opportunity for the town to weigh in on. It was reviewed by our planner. Our planner sent back an email and stated that it was, um, everything appeared well. He also called them. Um, and we, we can ask, uh, 
insert remarks in their report in, in, in the review at the state level, which we didn't do that because we didn't need to. In fact, uh, when I spoke to our planner, he stated their regulations are so much more stringent than any other project that we approved at the town level. So let's just uh, you know set that straight, dropping the ball because there wasn't something in the state. Again, these, these are accusations, point fingers, run on your substance, run on what you have. I haven't even seen a legislation that you put forward in the last two years, the last one I remember was three years ago with the chicken kits and the 255, and we're still trying to fix it. We just had a we just had a, a meeting, and we had to get it done by by next month. You know, it, this is going on and on and on. Let's I, can I just ask you? Let's just run this on the issues that they're going to ask us and do it instead of um, pointing fingers. Hey, you know, point the fingers. I have to I have to I have to deal with reality. Um, and uh, was there another part of that question, or did I answer your question? Okay, thank you. So just you, to Tim. go back, just you know, I actually put through um, close to twenty pieces of legislation in my four years in office. I did the code revision committee. One of the first pieces of legislation I put through in Riverhead was the blighted properties tax code, because we were trying to address the blight and the buildings in the downtown area. We had a landlord that was sitting on 13 properties. And one of the first things we did was do this blighted properties tax code where there's a tax surcharge on properties, you know, if there's a certain checkpoint. Also in the downtown area, just really quick, that was um, my first few years in office. We worked hard with the code enforcement and the fire marshals, and we got them into these properties in the downtown area, and our code enforcement were writing ticket violations up. And you know what? It worked because most of those properties are sold. Can I just ask a quick follow-up related to the solar that was, we were talking about a little bit here? Um, you know, the town board has been talking about the solar moratorium that's um, – you know, could be coming now. What is the town board hoping to accomplish with the moratorium? Why is that necessary now? And is it, you know, with these projects that have now been approved, is it sort of too little, too late? Or, mm -hmm. or you know, what, what is the goal there? It's okay, a, it's hold on. I, 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 I think exactly. We should take turns. So, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Thank you. Got it. Um, yes, uh, I, I uh, requested to uh, put on the agenda a moratorium when I, as soon as I. Um, I got into office, and unfortunately, I didn't have the approval of the uh, of the board. It didn't. It was tabled. I I uh, I believe that there was too too much uh, solar in one area code in Calverton, and uh, it was I I didn't get the support. Um, I did recently put it up. Um, I was instructed that um, that uh, by the our attorney that if there's two pending projects, who spent. Millions, uh, thousands of dollars to go through the process, and we took their funds and we took their application fees, and we asked them to do CEQA, which can cost two hundred thousand dollars. We can't just turn around uh, and say that's it. We're doing a moratorium. Goodbye, guys, uh, because we will be under an Article seventy-eight, and that kind of case usually wins in court. And so we had to exclude the two pending projects. My opponent kept on saying, "I would only approve it if we, if you take those two projects." The attorneys in open session, in town board meetings, in work session, have explained to her that we cannot just take a property that's being developed with a, a huge amount of money that's that's code for that type of uh, um, industry, and decide that we're just going to wipe them out and let them and forget about it. And so, um, finally, put it up again. Um, the two properties have been 
address. One was at the state level, one was at the town level, and we, I, the mor- moratorium has been adopted. Uh, Tuesday, yes. And I just want to add one, um, just one more thing. On, and I want to backtrack. The COVID vision, uh, that's not the case. I had to remove her. There was nothing done. People begged me to remove her from that. I unfortunately did. We have a code enforcement. Uh, the, the new code liaison is a code enforcement officer. He was a police officer. It was very appropriate for that person to be there. And code enforcement violations, those were letters. Please do not tell the public that violations, violations, you respond to court. It's a summons. You have to report to court, and the court has to decide the outcome and any type of punishment. They were letters that were sent. Again, lack of uh, understanding between letters and violations and law enforcement. And I've asked you, but please don't say that because we do not, we did not issue by a hundred letters of when um, and violations to the store owners or the blighted property. So I'm going to move on. I'm sorry, somebody. Okay, just on a couple of things. Um, as far as the solar moratorium is concerned, um, I wasn't against the solar moratorium, but it, you know, I looked at the solar moratorium and it excluded the two biggest projects. You know, and and as far, and yes, they could have been included. They weren't shoveling the ground. And I did check with attorneys on that. So nobody, it wasn't that there wasn't support on the board. I said, you know what, you're putting up a solar moratorium, but you're excluding the two biggest projects that are coming in. So let's take a look at that. And yes, um, you know, it is suspect when the the developer of the um, Nextera actually presided over her nomination. So just to go back. Um, it was in the developer. Yes, I was. Um, I, I was, was on, on the, the code revision. It was the attorney. Please right. don't. don't. Did I, oh, I'm sorry. Did I misstate that? Yes, I meant to say the attorney. He's the attorney. Um, so just to go back uh, really quick to code revision, I, I, that was one of my favorite committees. I did code revision for about three and a half years. I liked that because it's an in-house, it's an in-house committee. Um, where we were able to move along lots of code revisions. What happened was actually I was working on the housing code. I was tightening up the housing code because that's been a real concern in Riverhead, you know, with overcrowded housing. And I was moving forward with that. I asked to put it on the work session agenda, and it showed up on the work session agenda under a different council person's name. So I said, why, this is my work. And then the week later, I got removed from that committee. And you know what? No matter. I can get stuff done. I'm still working along, and I'm, and it's fine. And and you you concerning the uh, attorney. Now that it's been corrected, it wasn't the developer. And I know you're. I, I didn't mean on. to say developer. Actually. Okay, because you got caught, but that's okay. Um, concerning the uh, attorney, he's the uh, Suffolk County parliamentarian, and he has every right to be at um, any. Uh, nomination that is very common and that's their job so for you to make those associations let's get to the and again the board has to decide on, on, on five members on any project so let's just stay with the issues and stop making these um, accusations I'm not attacking you personally or any association that you have and uh, of course when you don't have any substance you're going to go to that level you're going to point fingers and you're going to create um, doubt and you're going to try to attack person a person ethically I have the cleanest of uh, and reputation that I have, I, it, it's a stellar. I've always acted ethically, and I will continue to do that. Let's talk about downtown. Uh, for many years, people used to say that um, um, to put your best face forward downtown, 
currently the business the business always had their backside to the river, which That's always correct. puzzled the heck out of people who work downtown. You go, why you have this beautiful river here that backs up all the stores and the dumpsters and everything face downtown? What? How do you both see the future of downtown? What should the future of downtown be? And within that question, talk about units for apartments in terms of limits to them. Sure. What should there be? Great. But first of all, what? What? How do you both see what could be a remarkable East End downtown and somehow turning it around to face the river? And everyone has that question. I mean, a lot of people think it was built in the wrong direction. Our main street should always have faced uh, the riverfront, and that is the new direction. On Monday, we're demolishing the. We're going to start demolishing the two buildings op- opposite the Suffolk Theater. It's going to open up our riverfront. So when you look, when you're at the li- riverfront and look at um, towards uh, Main Street, you're going to see the marquee to the Suffolk Theater. We're hoping to have an amphitheater there. We're hoping to have a, a children's area, kayaking, family-friendly. And one of the newest suggestions was to have a music museum. Uh, we'll possibly call it the Long Island Music Museum. And so it's going to be family-friendly. Um, and if you notice, I don't know, Steve, if you've been back there, some of the stores are starting to face uh, the riverfront. And some of the building that's hap- that's going on uh, is going to, uh, some the area is going to be small retail, you know, one Big stores, you don't want anything close to, you know, a supermarket near there. We do want one on Main Street, and we're working on that, um, hopefully. And uh, so, yes, we're refocusing uh, to Main Street, and um, so there are there are great plans as far as the apartments. It appears at the moment that uh, the cap is five hundred. Um, apartments and there is enough interest for those and um, so we're hoping to stay within the cap um, you don't want too much housing but you want you definitely want the foot traffic um, you definitely want the small businesses to thrive and uh, um, it's it, it, it it's taken a, do, a new direction and that was focused when we sat down in February 2020 that's when we decided put everything aside people weren't around anyway to talk to government was pretty much shut down um, and Later on, a few months, they started opening a little bit, and we just, we started to refocus, and it's definitely going in that direction, and Monday history is going to be made. The um, apartments, um, yes, the ones that are proposed but not finished, the, the Sears, which is like 177, mm-hmm. that is a theater, that 28 or something, mm-hmm. that one by the library. Well, well, that's, that's not Main Street. That's sold yeah. very differently. Yeah, yeah so, so we can't. Right. Yeah, so if you want to talk about the Osborne, it's a little different. But well, I think, Mr. Wick, you wanted to talk about, or you included Osborne well, also. Yeah. They're not all going to fit under 500. What, what is the town? Well, Osborne, Osborne is, is a different overlay. No, no, I mean, it was just the other one. Just, just, just on Main Street? Street? Yes, yes. The, the, they were accounted for. I mean, somebody can't just come in and say we're going to put 200 apartments here, uh, fit it into this area, right? And uh, absolutely not. There's Sears. There's um, Suffolk Theater. There's the one on uh, McDermott Avenue. And I think there's another one. They're not all going to fit under the 500 cap. Is that going to be extended or are these guys just out of luck? I, I thought it was over 500, maybe 526. We have to check on that. But from my understanding, it was. And if if that's going to be extended, that's going to have to probably come out, uh, be addressed with the comprehensive plan, which is really, it's it's going 
pretty quickly, and uh, but it's sewn for a little over five hundred, and it sh- it should stay at that cap. Cap, and I'll, I'll look up the numbers and 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 give you a different answer once we find out what, what all the projects are in. But yes, we cannot be expanding it to. 600, 700, 800, uh, especially not on, on Main Street. We got to keep Main Street viable. We have to have mixed uses and um, foot traffic and, and parking and, and and the town square um, is going to be uh, an integral part uh, of to revitalize the entire area. I, I think it's going to be the anchor. The theater, the Suffolk Theater is our anchor. The town square is going to be the anchor, and everything around it is going to it's going to cohesively work, and it's 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 going to um, it, it's going in a great in a great direction, very different than, than we envisioned in the past. How do you um, got a problem saying that restaurants there? Mm-hmm. Hasn't been many um, retail stores coming to downtown. How do you bring that about? Uh, retail is good on a very small level. Maybe have a souvenir shop. Uh, you you don't want selling you know a big store and you know <laughs> yeah Walmart even like a third of Walmart. That's absolutely not what it should be. You should have a a cafe, an internet cafe to draw the youth. You should have um, ice cream. Uh, store for people to have an ice cream and walk along the riverfront. Um, you should have, um, you know, a little bit of outside dining. We started to see that with the Peconic Brewery, which, by the way, they opened in the middle of COVID and under the 50% cap capacity. And for the first three months, um, they were at max, indicating people wanted to get out, but they had outside sitting. They were facing the Peconic River, our, our beautiful jewel, and um, and so that's what we want. Those kind of stores, um, we we want to make it family friendly and possibly have um, a, a, an area for children, a place with the sprinklers and benches nearby, so the parents can sit down and relax and engage the entire community. So, Catherine, you grew up there, so you know, growing up there, that the main street seem to be doing everything wrong in terms of, you know, its placement to the river. Okay, so let me start off by saying, yes, I did grow up here, and I have great memories and came across a, across a picture a few weeks ago marching as a brownie down Main Street. Um we are very blessed to have a main street that's built along the Baconic River. And, you know, I think when you look back at the history, they probably didn't think about the fact that it was on the river. I think back then the main main streets were sort of planned by transportation. When you look back at the old pictures, I think that's why, you know, I don't think they were thinking we've got this beautiful river there. But that's been talked about for many years. And, you know, this is what's going to be very cool about the town square. It is going to open up. Um, and this is something that came about when we first started the work on the pattern book. And yes, there were mistakes made. I'm going to say, Steve, that what brought me out of my very short retirement as a teacher was when I started to see a five-story building going up, you know, the whole length of McDermott down to the river um, and walling off the river when we should be opening up. And it was always my intent, you know, if you had to put taller buildings, I wanted to see them more on the south side. 
So that building, you know, I, you know, that's there now and we work with it. But that was something that concerned me. And that's why I looked. I, I think what happened back then is they said, oh, look, Patchogue has residential. Residential works. Let's put residential downtown. Yes, you have to have residential in your downtown area to revitalize it. But you need a mix of everything. You know, you've, we've got you know, if you're going to put housing, you need affordable and market rate. You can't just put residential. You've got to have places for people to go and things for them to do. Retail isn't going to work in our downtown area because we have Tanger and Route 58. We need to look at other uses, you know, um, smaller stores or um, a Trader Joe's. I'd love to see a specialty grocery store in the downtown area. It would be a good use of one of those larger buildings, and that would draw people from both forks. So in the downtown area, I would like to see, you know, yes, we have residential. Personally, I don't want to see the building that's coming in on the Sears property. It's just too big. It was originally 160 apartments, and I think it is now down to 130 apartments. Yeah, it was a lot. It's a lot. And the and these apartment buildings are coming in without parking. Yes, we want to create a walkable downtown. That is our long-range goal. But right now we're a rural area and people do still have cars. So it, you know, we can't have no parking put in. So, you know, also you've got the 331 um, apartment building coming in where the old subway is. And then, you know, a few weeks ago, it was brought to the board to do the apartment building on McDermott. And, you know, I did have questions about that. It's just that I think we always need to look at the impacts of these buildings. Um, and no one else seemed to have questions on that. So I didn't understand that. But go back, going back, let me focus in on my vision downtown. I think you need a mix. You need to bring in some other things. You know, when you're on a trip, I don't think you seek out, let me go to the main street that has a lot of big apartments on it. I think when you're on a trip and you want to visit a downtown area somewhere, you look for quaint shops and a, a downtown that shows their real character. So those are things that I'm looking for. They almost agreed on Yes, um, except that two of the buildings do have parking underneath, um, and you're fully aware of that because the plans were yes, were, just not the full, you know. Okay, well, not they'll enough. say that they You just said that they don't have parking. They do have parking. They have indoor parking. But we're going to move on from that. Um, but yes, I totally agree. Everyone is in agreement, and it's it and it's a short process. You know, you have the building department. Um, you have. Um, the, the, when the plans are submitted, we get copies, we discuss it cohesively as a board, most of the time cohesively. Um, we make sure all the state regulations and, and the councilwoman is correct. You know, we need to have a mix. Uh, you can make this uh, skyscraper apartments. That's that's out. That's not the intention. It's to keep our environment, to keep its bucolic look. Um, when I moved here and brought the piece of property to build our dream home, it's overlooking the farm. And I went into town to make sure that it was going to be preserved forever. And we need to preserve that. And uh, and uh, But we do it all together as a board. There's five members, and each member has an equal vote to move any project forward. But back going back, there is parking. Um, and if the, the uh, a project doesn't have sufficient parking, they have to pay into the parking district. So we do get funds for that um, to enhance uh, the parking district and other areas. So um, I think we're... I think we covered that, and I do agree. 
Just a quick shout out. We've got some really amazing businesses in our downtown area, and we need to work to help them survive. You know, um, we've got Turquez Grill. We've got the Privet Shop. You know, we have the Suffolk Theater, the Vale Levitt Theater. Um, You know, we just have so many. uh, Preston House, the Aquarium. We do have some good things happening in our downtown area, and we need to add to that and enhance it. And she's correct. I've been to uh, at least 10, about uh, 10 ribbon cuttings. Um, in the last few months, and, and it's a great sign. And every store is different, and it just shows that we're gentrifying our ta- town. And like I always say, it, when we gentrify or an area gets gentrified, um, you need to do it with a balance, and, and that's the goal here, to do it with the balance, get community input, get board input, get input um, from our planning department, and ensure that – the zoning is proper and that, um, you know, the entire community is going to benefit, not for the immediate, uh, at the immediate moment, but for the future, that this is long term and we're going to do it right the first time. Uh, Riverhead's obviously a really big town geographically and you have all these different communities. You have downtown, you have Route 58, you have Wading River, you have Aquabog and Jamesport. Where do you put a marijuana dispensary? You know, I'm going to say that I voted, um, you know, I'll go back to that I voted um, no to opting out. That's all. That was a little confusing to the community because of the way it's worded. But I, I did not want to opt out because, you know, I think it was going to end up coming to here, Riverhead anyway. And we have control over where it goes, what hours it can be open, you know, how many can be in one particular area. And I just want to make sure people understand that um, we are able to control. And that was one reason that I voted in that manner, because I wanted to be able to control it. So that being said, I think we take baby steps. You know, I would think we should look maybe just one or two places, a few places on Route 58, see how that goes, see how things are going with other towns, and, and proceed cautiously. I also think we need to go along with SLA guidelines as well. But there's a lot to be hashed out. I'm just going to say, um, yeah, I think this is these are decisions that the town board needs to look at carefully. This is what we're elected to do. We need to have these discussions, look at this carefully, and you know, make sure we do it right and in a careful way. Sagar? I voted no for the, um, for the legislation. This was a state legislation, and uh, we had the option— of bring it, bringing the legislation to the voters, which um, the town board um, decided not to do. Um, I would have preferred a referendum and that we take this um, you know, to the people. And we also had another option to say no now. And in the future, um, we can, it's called opt-in, we can now begin the legislation. I feel that we weren't prepared. As a law enforcement officer, I spoke to many different law enforcement um agencies throughout the United States just to get a handle on it. I spoke to our PBA. I spoke to our um, our Suffolk County um, uh, um, Police Department, and we're, they were all against simply bec- because there was no control as to determining or understanding uh, who was under the influence. So, if, for example, if there was a traffic accident, um, they don't have the tools. They don't have the uh, the training they don't have the equipment there's only nine offices in the entire state of New York trained to detect uh, marijuana use we don't have it here in the east end and we don't want to see a family be wiped out in the east end 
and the individual, you know, was under the influence. So that was one of the primary reasons. And, you know, I think it's it was the accident in Quag where those it was four kids, uh, young kids that were, and marijuana was, was, was the case. And so, you know, you can't rush into legislation. You know, I'm a researcher. I have a PhD. That's what we do. I teach people as a PhD and master's how to do research. You can't just take something and, and, and decide, oh, it's either yes or no for marijuana. Let's, let's, let's build the infrastructure. Let's build the legislation before we go into it. You know, take, for example, you have a bus driver. And, um, you know, he drops off kids at school. He goes home. It's his birthday. And he decides to have a marijuana cigarette. And now he goes and picks up the kids. There's no control over that, and and and, and uh, you know, and, and as an administrator, uh, um, you also have to look at the you know our employees. Um, we have drug testing, so what happens if you know they they operate heavy equipment uh, during a snow storm, and they decide to have a marijuana cigarette again? It's their birthday, and uh, but now it shows up, and is it legal? Not legal? What do you do with that employee? We didn't deal with the legislation, regardless of how you feel under those circumstances. So we didn't have the proper legislation. I don't know why it was rushed. Um, and uh, so, yes, I did. I voted no, as you see. So far, last night I was at the Suffolk Theater. The East End Arts had a, a their um, their fundraising event, which was absolutely great, and we support them. And you know, I'm. I, a smoke shop popped up on Main Street and uh, on West Main Street, and I was like, "Here's another one." And they were on 58. Everybody's waiting here. We need to get this legislation done. It's going to take a quite an effort to get this right. I have directed um, the uh, my planner to ensure that marijuana use is addressed in the comprehensive plan uh, plan that that we are developing. Um, I'm suspecting that it's probably going to wind up in the industrial area where well, we definitely don't need it on Main Street, near our churches, near our hospitals, near our schools, near our playgrounds. Um, Alive on 25, the first one that was held, people were smoking in the street. And I hear a child say to their father, Dad, that's a ugly smell. Dad, what's that? It doesn't belong in Alive on 25 on Main Street with children. It definitely doesn't belong in our Newtown Square. I think, though, some people might argue, and we'll move on because I think it's beyond that, but we're serving alcohol at Alive on 25, right? I mean, it's you go and you drink a lot of beer, a lot of people, when they go to Alive on 25, right? Yeah, but you don't have to smell. And those same people who have that beer are going to also smoke marijuana. So you're enhancing it. So, yes, you're right. It's a, it's, sometimes you should follow SLA uh, regulations, uh, but to have it with family um, and, 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 you know, it, it did, it, it is an acceptable form, alcohol now. It wasn't at one time doing prohibition, but it is now an acceptable and it is somewhat con, um, contained. But to have it where you're having family or people who have asthma, physical, I, I have asthma, my lungs will burn on 9 11. And, you know, I put on hairspray and I'm coughing. And so I, I don't want to be, you know, at alive on 25 and, and, and smelling and coughing. So, you know, there are, self, there are health concerns, uh, alcohol. Maybe it's a health concern for the individual who's intaking the alcohol. But now this is, this is affecting the public, you know, and, and possibly their health. So you said, to clarify, you said Route 58 and you said an industrial area. So what would that include? Well, we had to determine the uh, the use and uh, where you can use it if it's in lounge lounges, and you have to determine the location of sale. 
And so the comprehensive plan, um, they, there is talk, and, and a smoke shop did open up on 58, that 58 might be an alternative also. And where wherever you have industrial areas, you, you may uh, allow it in that location, and that's permitted use, right? You have to create the code. You have to create the, zone, the zoning and the code. And, uh, yeah, but it doesn't belong near... Uh, sensitive locations and, uh, you know, where the general public gathers. Are we kind of running out of time to do that? Because it's, it's, uh, we're talking on October 15th, and uh, isn't this a go in 10 weeks? We don't, we don't have anything in place. And that's exactly why we should have held off. If, if we acted on holding off by December 31st, um, we could have opt in, meaning we could have pursued um, and, and, and iron this out. Uh, Address it through the comprehensive plan. And when we're ready, then we can say, you know, in eight months, okay, the comprehensive plan, we have the zoning, we have the code, we're ready to go. And it, it is permissible to be able to opt back in, to me, indicating that you can. Um, but, but in the, it's been a lot of roughly two months, so six weeks or, or so mm -hmm. since. Um, didn't opt out. So what has been done in terms of establishing zoning and determining where those dispensaries will be in the new year? Well, in the new year, the, the uh, first work, work session of the, um, in November, it will be on the, uh, it'll be on the agenda. And um, we're having um, planning research. Uh, and, you know, we have to look at other, other towns, we have to look at other states, you know, Denver's having a problem with we're driving under the, under um, the use of marijuana. So it, it's not an easy question, uh, an easy answer where you say, well, what have you done? What are you doing? It's very, very complicated, and the board is aware that we have to act on it. Just a couple of things I want to clarify. Actually, you voted yes to opt out. Um, and, and this is a timely manner. I don't think this is something that we wait on the comp plan. This is a timely manner. And that was told to us by our, our town attorney. Um, when we actually currently have um, Columbia, Columbia um, care. care on in our downtown area, not that I'm, I don't want to start in the downtown area, but they have, you know, coexisted with everyone very well. So we do have that. And just to go back really quick, um, you know, there was a survey done, There, you know, and 1,300 people responded. That's actually a pretty high number in Riverhead for when we get responses to surveys. I think LEAP, which was the police reform, was around that, as was the pattern book. So, you know, we did listen to what the people said in Riverhead. But once again, I think, you, you know, you start slow, you see how it works, and you move from there. Can I ask you both to just clarify how you voted? Just because I, I said so many different ways, just right. Now, I just voted. To make it clear for the I voted no to the legislation until we have. You voted to opt out. Yeah, I voted to op, op, opt, opt, opt out. Voted yes to opt out. Yeah, yeah, that's I how voted. it worked. And you, no and, to and the marijuana. In the future, no. we can. I opt voted in. no. Tim, you go forward. Frank. Tim Hubbard, Frank Bayrot, and I voted no to right. opting out. Okay, I just wanted, yeah. yeah. I, it is confusing. I even think when the articles went up, you know, when people were responding, it was, it was very confusing mm -hmm. for people. But um, and I just want to I'm talk, glad you clarified that. Yeah, I like to clarify the surveys. When I came into office two years ago, we never did surveys in the town of Riverhead. But being a teacher of surveys and research, 
and data management. Um, we started. Um, we started. We got the. We obtained the software to conduct surveys, and our first sur- survey was the Leap survey, and it was successful to a certain extent. And thereafter, uh, so we did it online. And we did it in, especially the, the, the leap. We also did it in Spanish. You know, it was completed in Spanish to give everybody the opportunity. When it came down to doing the survey, um, I created the survey myself. Uh, we put it into the system. Um, we received um, uh, what was it? I believe thirteen hundred um, or so respondents. And when you look at our population of then, which was uh, 33,000 individuals, that's only 4.2%. We can't be juvenile and look at 101, you know, with a, with, with a lens, you know, at a 101 level. We need to look at the difference between 1,333, which is like 4%, a little over 4%. 4% of the population is not representative. If you did a study along that line, or if one of my students ever created that kind of study, they fail, they give it back, it's useless. It doesn't have what's called validity or uh, or reliability. Uh, validity indicates that you need to equally represent the entire population. So for example, and I know this from giving vaccine, getting vaccines from the seniors, they don't have an internet, most of them. They don't have emails. So our senior population, which is a large population has been excluded from it. And how do we say 1,300 individuals, and that's big, and that's the biggest survey we ever did, when when, when we have 10 or 20 times more of the 1,300 of seniors. And now, and now you also have to understand the youth, and we have a diversified, um, and we're known for that diversity here, and it's, it's great because um, you know, not every town is as diversified as us, and we work we work and live and play cohesively here, and it's great. It's one of the reasons that I decided to you know, build my dream home here. Um, but, you know, you, you have the Hispanic. I'm Latina. I know. The Hispanics don't have internet, some of them, or they, or they know how to take a survey or get onto the town website. So now you're removing our seniors, you're removing our minorities, and you're removing those individuals who may not be able to afford a computer and know that a survey is being given. I, that 1,300 is not representative. That 1,300 doesn't have validity. Why did I create it? Just to get a sense of, of, uh, of a, a quick understanding of what people wanted. Also, some of the businesses in, are included in that 1,300. A lot of business owners don't live in the town of Riverhead. Again, so that number is decreased. I, I could just go on and on. I don't want to bore you with, with research stats, but, um, but... But are you saying the surveys are ineffective? And also, I would challenge you, do you really think the Hispanic community doesn't have internet? I think a lot of the Hispanic well, internet has access to... Has, this community has access to the internet. They'll have it on their phone, but to have a whole computer to start doing a survey and understand, I know it. I'm Hispanic. I, 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 I'm very close to my to my to to the Hispanic community. Um, I'm very close to uh, Sister... Uh, Margaret, we work together on a lot of uh, on a lot of, um, and she does have you know a list. But when I when we were conducting an outreach, um, Riverhead had a very high rate um, of um, um, victims of COVID, um, and uh, you know we worked together and you know told it, sent out an email as 
to as many people as you can. And so we had to print material and she had to like give it out in order to get, you know, as much data as we can as quickly as we can. But but what validity do these surveys have on topics? Why continue to do them if we feel like it's, you know, just not really representative of the entire Riverhead community? Mm -hmm. It's to give you an insight. It's part of research. You can do a survey, and, and and part of research is that it wasn't effective, so I went to this. I mean, it's a building block. Um, as far as saying that the 1,300 represent the entire community, it didn't have validity, but we, we did get some responses. Uh, I believe about 80% of the individuals responded, and we that gives us an indicator of how people were thinking, where it may be. Okay, just because the number took it, you know, we're looking at the 1300. So you want to get that that data, that un- that understanding of what people are thinking, because we might not be thinking along that way. We might not have. And there, some people had some really interesting thoughts. So we were trying to elicit information f- uh, from those who took the survey. And, 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 it, and it could be used. Just really quick, um, Tim, Frank, and I all agreed that, you know, 1,300 people was a good number to weigh in in a survey in Riverhead. And if you were going to not listen to a survey, why would anyone weigh in on a survey again? So surveys are a tool, especially during the pandemic. They were a good tool. And just to clarify, we had just done the pattern book survey previous to this, to the leap. Uh, I want to talk about Justice Court. Um, before we died, Alan Smith um, gave tours to the Justice Court and it's almost an embarrassment in terms mm-hmm. of just being jammed, uh, no place even to sit down, um, defendants walking in the front door. Um, what are the plans to have uh, a viable, uh, workable justice court? And is what is the future for the armory, which was essentially turned over to the town for what is it, a dollar or something? Mm-hmm. Is What are the uses of the armory? But more importantly, where it, what will the justice court's future be? Where should it be? Okay. Uh, concerning the armory, uh, there was an extensive um, study done by engineers, and it didn't appear to be a feasible uh, choice. It, at that time, I believe, uh, 10 years ago, they did the survey, eight years or so. Uh, the cost was going to be at least uh, $22 million just to retrofit the building, and then you have to um, put in – that's just – the shell of the building. There was so much asbestos, there's lead paint. I don't know if you've been in there, Tim, recently. I was in there the other day, and it looked, uh, the lead paint was peeling, and hundreds of thousands of circular paint chips hanging from the walls, and it's not a healthy building. Um, it was given to, uh, given to us, and you're right, it was a very, very minimal amount, and it was designated to be used as a recreation or um, a law enforcement or even a courthouse. And uh, uh, the town has decided that it's we can't work with that building at the moment. Um, we started looking at the... Um, the second uh, avenue property, which belonged to Northwell, the board met in executive session, and the board decided to go and look at the uh, Kmart property, which at one time it was be, it was entertained. Um, the uh, there was some extensive research done on it, and um, the uh, we were informed by the advisors that we can't uh, lease the building and buy it back. There was some 
legal provision on it. Um, Tim Hubbard has been working hard in this regard. Um, he, we met back in executive session, and um, they're looking for a second location, possibly expanding. Uh, you can't put a roof on town hall, but you can expand it. It doesn't sustain um, any future building. Um, but from what I understand, you can expand it, and that's where we are at the moment. But I totally agree with you, Mr. Wix. We need, they are in desperate need, and uh, it, it has to happen. So on the Justice Court, I'm going to say that prior to coming into office, I was not aware of the crisis situation at the Justice Court. I think within my first you know, few weeks in office going back four years. Um, one of the people that works there walked around and walked me around and showed me and it is stunning and dangerous and it's a crisis waiting to happen. The justice court situation has to be addressed immediately. And, and God bless Alan Smith, he who we all can agree really did love Riverhead. And he was passionate about the armory. But we looked at, you know, the, we looked at the different projects and proposals were drawn up. And there was just too much mitigation to be done at the armory. Um, I do think at some point the armory can be used. Um, you know, we'd have to do a lot. Of, there has to be a lot of asbestos mitigation and such. And even the armory, something could be done with the armory where there's a nature walk that goes back to Stodsky. There are things to be done with the armory. But to go back to the justice court, you know, I was disappointed that the Second Street property didn't work out. I liked that property that the ball got dropped on that somehow. But I did like that property because it was in the downtown area and it didn't just come with that building. It came with other buildings and we would have been able to sell off some of our properties to help fund it. So that was a good option. For me, I didn't actually like the Kmart property. A couple of reasons. I know that people like the idea of putting everybody into one building, but I was envisioning, you know, the ambulance sirens going off while we're having town board meetings or you've got seniors in there and the ambulance sirens. It just didn't seem to work cohesively for me. And quite frankly, I like the senior center over in Aquabog. I think that's a great space. So I have been told, this is something that, you know, I have been told that the police station um, was built in a way that a second story should could go on there. That's certainly an option we can look at. And we have property adjacent to that. So um, certainly we need to move forward. We have a company that is looking into this for us. NDC, NDC is a company that is investigating, and they're going to be, be presenting us with options of properties that would work for our needs. But for me, I, want, I would want to see Town Hall um, in the downtown area. And I want, but we really should um, address Justice Court first. So one option for that would be, you know, in Southampton, I know they put prefab, they put prefab buildings up, and that has worked out very well. You know, we could put prefab buildings up on our property that we have there and move the Justice Court in and address that situation immediately and then work towards a new town hall. Concerning the Kmart property, um, whenever we looked at a location, it's done at executive session with the town board agreeing to go forward. No one um, decides that they're going to move forward with the Kmart property. And uh, at one time, the councilwoman did state that she was excited. Let's go. Let's all go forward. So a lot of efforts went into that. To disown this now when you when you were part of the whole process, it's a little disturbing. As far as the seniors, I believe 
all along that our seniors should remain where they are. That's where I brought them the vaccines, and they were ecstatic. They knew how to get there. They had their friends there. They knew where to park. They knew where to open the doors. And some of them were disabled. We had to pick them up to um, for them to be vaccinated. And so the senior center should always, always stay there. NDC, I met with them um, six months ago. They, uh, they do... Um, they're a property management, uh, legal, and um, um, assessment company. They work in Brookhaven, and um, our attorneys do not have the legal and the uh, uh, knowledge on appraisals and property acquisitions. This is a big project, and we had to do it right. And as a real estate agent, we know that we needed you know, assistance to make sure. Um, and for example, what happened in Kmart, it turned out that we can't do it legally, and they found that out right away. As soon as we gave them the project, uh, last month, within two weeks, they came back and they said, you're violating codes. We can't go this way. And that's, that's their job. And so we did contract them. The entire board agreed to u- utilize them, and they're doing their job. And they're going to be working with us. And as soon as the location is identified, um, we, we're going to move forward as quickly as we can. And um, wherever we go, wherever we search, uh, whatever location we may set our eyes on, um, that's a, a town board decision. It's not made just by one individual. One, one quick follow-up on this discussion where, if I understood it correctly, with when the town board was looking at the Kmart location and kind of uh, you know, being able to acquire property like that, that would you know, obviously cost, there would be a lot of cost there. So mm-hmm. part of the plan would be then to sell other buildings that the town already had to kind of cover some of those costs. How, how, would the, how does the timing of that work if the town were to find another location where part of the plan would be to sell off some of the other properties that the town has? Um, you know, how, how does that sort of work? And you know, what if certain properties don't sell for as much as you may think? Or um, you know, are you sort of relying on, on that revenue that would have to come in from selling those properties? I'm just going to go really quickly to the pressing issue is justice court. If you even go there up to the window to pay a ticket, you've got four or five people in one room. Um, you know, you've got to, you, there isn't an area for the jury to come out. You know, there's it's just a dangerous situation. So I think it needs to be addressed immediately for justice court. And I will, you know, be discussing the option of putting some prefab buildings. And, you know, as far as, you know, we have to look with justice court, we have to look short term, actually. We've got to get this done. So that is a pressing issue right now. I understand what you're saying. Because uh, I totally agree, and we're working on that and uh, bring it up for discussion. Uh, we know that it is an urgency. I think the question was, what are you doing about it? Where is it going to go? What are you going to do with the buildings? What are you going to do with funding? And uh, unfortunately, we have to identify the location, ensure that we can go forward with it, and and then um, look at the cost. You know, you can have a cost at the moment of $10 million, and depending on the size, it can go to $25 million. And then at that time, that's when that company, NDC, would assess markets in, in the real estate uh, market, especially in the commercial. Um, costs of, uh, of properties it depends on the market, what people buy. And so you may be able to sell a building for $2 million um, you know, today, but in March, maybe it'll go down to eight. 
you, you know, maybe it'll go down, you know, maybe it'll go up, maybe, it'll, you know, it varies, it fluctuates, and that's the real estate market for you. Um, but we do have an idea of some, uh, some of the costs of some of the buildings, and they will be used to offset if we bond. Uh, let's say we take out a $20 million bond, okay, we finalize the project, the board agreed, we're going to go move forward, and it's going to cost um, you know, we have to bond for $20 million. Uh, If we get um, $10 million in selling a, a few of the buildings, well, that's going to go to the cost of bonding. So it's not going to cost taxpayers something for possibly eight years, nine years, 10 years. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a complicated formula. It's, it's not that easy. I think, uh, like, as the councilwoman said, and we all agree, this is, this is a crisis and it's immediate. Once we identify, we can move. We can move quickly. We know what we have. We can do the appraisals. We know what the cost is going to be. We know what the cost is going to be on bonding. But the, if if we if we do a purchase um, instead of a lease, uh, taxpayers will not be paying any taxes for many years. Joe, just just really quick, sorry, Joe. Just to go back, we didn't want to do a straight up lease. Especially with the market like it is right now, the bonding rates are good. So certainly, you know, to that question about the timing of everything, you know, we could bond out and then recoup the costs of the other properties after. Let's move on to Epcow, which has been such a long-running uh, saga in, in Riverhead. The town uh, got this extraordinary piece of property a bunch of years ago, and it's been a long time trying to figure out, you know, which direction to go. Um, you both seem to agree that the contract itself uh, was not an ideal thing. We had both Republican candidates for the town board in here last week, and they both said the same thing, that this is it's a lousy contract. What is the future of FCAL? Where, What direction is it going to go? And if, if you agree that the contract itself is bad, why move ahead with it? Why stick with it? And then thirdly, no town that I know of anywhere on Long Island, maybe even the whole state of New York, has 1,000 acres. Um, it seemed like last week when the town board candidates were here, they were seeing that as kind of a land preservation issue. Do you see it as a land preservation issue? But beyond that, what is the future of EPCAL? If the contract is bad, why go ahead with it? At the current time, the uh, prospective buyers asked for a one-year extension, and the town board agreed to it. I believe it expires in May. I think by May we have to make a definite decision. That's it. Two extensions. We did. The DC's not going. I'm pursuing that with our attorneys. Where we're going, we, we're creating a timeline. I make one more pitch, one more um, effort, and then we're going to have to sit down in executive session. This, ha this has to be resolved. As far as the preservation, I am... The uh, special counsel. Is that Frank Eisner? Yeah, okay. yeah. He's been like the attorney through this whole. Yes, he is, and he's retiring by the way at the end of the year. That's why we got to get a hold of him real soon. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, concerning the property, the 1,050 acres should be preserved forever. Um, proponent, I have no idea why that was included in the contract. Um, hey, that's a real mystery. Why? How did this thousand acres get in here? And nobody, no town, no government in the state of New York has a thousand acres. Should it? Should that thousand acres be preserved? Absolutely, and and that's a very common question. I might have an answer, or at least an answer that's reasonable and can be accepted. Uh, I was told that it was uh, put into the contract so we don't have to maintain it and insure it, 
and put the onus on the prospective buyer. Is that the best choice? I don't know. But uh, it seems to me that that, that could be a possibility. You, we're giving it to you. We know it's going to be preserved. We know it has wetlands. So you go ahead. You go forward. You have to insure it. You have to forever and, and, and clean it up and maintain it. And uh, so I, I believe um, it does have some validity, as we say. Um, so it should always be preserved. But that will be preserved through governance and obviously through the DEC and the, um, the town board. Uh, so... That, not too concerned that is definitely if there ever is a contract that will not ever be in that as far as the other 600 or so acres um, we're waiting for a subdivision from the DEC they are um, you know we're at a stalemate right now and I have personally gone to the governor's office I have personally gone to our county executive we've had meetings with them and the Suffolk County Water Authority in fact, it's gotten to the point recently that we I had the governor's office set up the meeting with the DEC. They're supporting us on this, on, on this um, uh, effort uh, to move forward. And uh, unfortunately, it all comes back down to the Suffolk County Water Authority. They don't want to remove their claim. The DEC has indicated to us in writing that unless that claim is removed, we will never get the subdivision. But, it, but in terms of if, if everyone seems to agree, you guys, the candidates here last week, that this is a bad contract mm -hmm. on such a magnificent piece of property and a historic piece of property, yes. why go ahead with that contract? Particularly with questions raised, let's say, in New Jersey about the same company and whether they've kept their promises mm -hmm. there or done what they said they were going to do there. <clears throat> Aren't these really serious red flags? Oh, absolutely. Uh, concerning the... Um, the the actual contract um, we have been advised in executive session and the councilwoman has been present through our special counsel and an independent attorney at the request of the councilwoman we brought in an independent attorney and this has been discussed over and over again and we're constantly told if you go forward if you decide not to go forward with this contract the contract states that you must provide a subdivision. And if you decide not to go forward, it will be tied up in court for at least five years and you will be responsible for the attorney fees. And you just said before, in May, you can. In, in May, May, yes. It was as of last May. It was, it was last May. May. Yeah, yeah, well, they renewed it into the following May. So it, it, it ends in this coming May. And I think that if you aren't able, if we show that we're not able to get the subdivision, even though we agreed and we gave them extensions and we went to the governor's office and we've had these meetings and we have all this documentation, that chances are that it's not going to be tied up in court. We're in a better position because we have evidence that we're trying everything we can and we need to go forward. Catherine, so okay. it seems like the town got this extraordinary piece of property it seems like this contract came with it that people now look at and everybody wonders, what the heck is this thing? How did the thousand acres, what was the, what was the point of, of that getting in there? So where do you think this is going to go and should go? All right. Because for the town, this has to be the major, the major issue. It is. It is a major issue. And yes, it's a magnificent piece of property. So uh, for Sean Walter threw in the extra 1,000 acres. Sean was very excited about Daniel Luminati and bringing aerospace 
and that was thrown in. Th- that was a last minute, just like the whole thing happened at the last minute. It was filed with the town clerk December 28th before we came into office. So Sean did throw in the extra thousand acres, and that property has to that thousand acres has to be taken out and that needs to be preserved i think that should be a passive park just like with the epcal trail we worked with our partners in government i think we could work with our partners in government and make that a passive park as far as the epcal deal there is just one red flag after another anybody can Google Triple Five and see the struggles that they are having financially across the country. It's a simple thing. Aside from, as I uh oh, important stuff. We'll have to try to cut that out smoothly. Aside from, you know, well, we we've never been given strong financials. I mean, they've always making one excuse after another. They come in. They give us a a, let, a letter saying they're financially, you know, able to build out the, it's $200 million for the first phase one. And then we're not allowed to see it. They might as well have given us a letter from their mother. That meant nothing to me. So um, they they never gave us, I voted no, obviously. I, I think people know that. I voted no at the Q&E that they were not qualified, did not feel they were qualified and eligible. We did not see enough finances. We did not see a development plan. So at this point, I say we need to we need to walk away from this contract and, um, you know, look at the market and, and look at, you know, I think it's a large parcel, too. When you take the 1,000 acres out, it's still 696 acres, I believe. And that is a large parcel to try to find a developer to develop it properly. We may want to look – I think we should actually look at dividing it. We could look at dividing it into thirds, perhaps lease some of it, you know, sell some of it possibly even, you know, put solar on some of it. That might be a way to get businesses to come in because it would lower their energy costs. But we need to walk away from this contract right away. This is the worst real estate deal in the Northeast. It's a beautiful piece of property. When I drive by there at night, I'll think, I can't believe we have that beautiful property in Riverhead and we are squandering it away. You know, and it comes with a, a, a runway and it comes with a rail spur. Do you think there's a future for drag racing at Upcal? You know, people love drag racing in Riverhead. I think that we should uh, – well, we, we need to look at the market of everything. But people do love drag racing, and I'd certainly like to see some events in the town because people do like that. But we need to look at the property. We have a fiduciary responsibility to the residents to bring in revenue in the town. We have high taxes here. We have a responsibility to bring in, you know, something that will bring in revenue and bring in high-paying jobs. Miss Aga, did you want to answer that about drag racing? Well, a drag racing is only a special permit. Um, you can't have more than eight events. Uh, each uh, permit should be taken individually, um, voted on individually. Um, if we are not using the runways and we're not having any concerns, then absolutely, drag racing belongs there. I was uh, fortunate to um, be able to attend um many other events uh, just uh, pop. I was there also to make sure that everything was going the way it should be because then it was going to be shut down and so I went there the night before I was there in the morning I was there in the evening and uh, it went well um, the delis reported to us the first weekend they ran out of food the restaurants were full you couldn't find a hotel room it was a shot in the economy it's a temporary thing 
And absolutely, if it's not being used and um, there aren't any issues with the economy, this is um, something that we should continue to do. I, I uh, as I said, I attended these events and, you know, it brought families together. It was great to see kids playing with little remote cars and eating ice cream and people clapping and as the crowd will break down, you know, wake up because it's the end of the day, people exchanging phone numbers. And, you know, in the East End, we've always had a racing community. I remember coming out here 30 years ago. We had three tracks and, uh, you know, it's lacking. So there is, a, there is a demand for it. And again, each application has to be um, taken seriously and everything has to be considered and uh, if it happens again um, the entire town board is going to decide that so I, I have one quick question for the supervisor sorry to interrupt um, the supervisor you know you did promise that you would it, it was public you it was in an article that you promised you would bring bring drag racing to EPCAL and at the same time you're continuing with this contract how is that possible how can you continue with the sale of EPCAL and that contract and at the same time promise the racing enthusiasts that they're going to get a racetrack out there Okay. Um, obviously, you haven't read the contract, unfortunately, and, and you've been advocated, advocating since you came into office against EPCAL. Um, the contract states um, that um, if uh, concerning drag racing, that uh, it's a temporary uh, event, and at any time that EPCAL um, gets sold, that's it. The new owners own it. It's like buying a house. You come in, yeah, you can make it a business. It's a lease. But once somebody purchased the property, you're out. And so um, I, I, when um, I was running for office, I, um, I did speak to some people concerning, and I said, yeah, I'm going to bring it to EPCAL if I can, if it's possible. And it was possible, and we made it possible. And where did it go? It went to EPCAL. So it's future sale. We can't entertain contracts um, if the property is sold or the property is uh, going to be sold in the very near future. So there's some confusion there. And if uh, somebody puts in another application at another location then and the board approves five people, then you know drag racing will take off. I, I can't say it has to be an EPCAL and the property is not going to be sold. Is that what you're trying to indicate? I, I, I don't know how it can be both ways. And just to clarify, I'm not against EPCAL, I'm against the sale. Um, and, but, but Ms. Kent, you also seem to be suggesting that there's not a long-term fit for drag racing at EPCAL mm -hmm. by saying that, right, that you uh, ultimately you, you owe it to the taxpayers to bring in high-paying jobs there. I owe it to the taxpayers to bring in mm -hmm. revenue and high-paying jobs. So does, uh, does drag racing fit into that equation? That's what we'd have to look at the market for, what brings in the most revenue. And, and certainly I don't, you know, I want something that brings in jobs. Um, do I, th I, I think it's possible, you know, they could have drag racing coexist there if you're, if you're mm -hmm. having events. So, and then we'll move on. And, uh, but I, just to go back, I think that we, we have to look at, and we also have to look at the impacts of everything. That's important. That's always the case. You have to look at the impact. That's our job. That's our fiduciary responsibility. We can't make ad hoc decisions. We have to look at the Im yeah. impacts short term and long term. One last yeah. point on, on Triple Five. Has the board ever looked at each other and just said, before we decide 
how we're going to go forward. Does the public have, in terms of transparency, does the public have the right to find out the roots of this contract, how the thousand acres got put into it, what the conversations were back and forth between different parties? What is the birth of this idea if all these years later, it's just a horrible thing? And you should, are, should you go back and look and see what, who made promises to who? We, we've tried. Calling people and say, why did you put the thousand acres in it? Who, who are you to give a thousand acres away? How do you move forward without knowing what happened in yeah. the past? Unfortunately, a lot of these decisions were made one-on-one, and they were made in executive session, and we're not privy to that, I, unfortunately. And I totally agree. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And uh, again, we inherited this mess, and um, I wish we had those answers. Um, we shouldn't be in a situation where we are today. This is hurting the taxpayers. Um, and I just want to make an, a point that my um, uh, my running mate here um, indicated as far as um, the financial um, standing of the prospective buyers. Um, unfortunately, uh, a contract is a contract. It's a legal document that is signed by two attorneys. Your reputation, whether you default or been arrested or have a criminal record or uh, or in court, that does not cannot come into play. And uh, had you known this prior to signing the contract, then you could have just walked away. And those, that's the ideal situation. Um, you can go into court, and unfortunately, the councilwoman keeps on staying. Look at all their reputation. Look where they are. Uh, you know, look where, look around the country, and they're defaulting. Well, when you go to court because we didn't follow a contract, the judges said this has nothing to do with this. Okay, this is a person's reputation, and you don't have a right to indicate to us uh, to indicate that because they defaulted, they shouldn't go through with this contract. That's not the what. It's a big cloud, absolutely, and it, it's it's a cloud that doesn't seem. It just sometimes seems to get bigger I, and, and black. <laughs> well, one thing I wonder about that though is, um, do people necessarily care, or do they know the residents? Because I look at people who voted in favor of that. Jody Giglio is now the assemblywoman. Representative mm-hmm. Sean Walters now a judge uh, in Riverhead. It hasn't hurt anybody politically to be have supported that. No. I don't know if people necessarily you know, look back and pay attention to who voted what. Um, certainly at the at the end of the qualified and eligible hearings, which were hours long, um, Laura Jen Smith and I voted no. Um, but just to go back. And that didn't help Laura Jen Smith politically, right? She's not in the room here. Uh, well, are, I am. And you are. Right. And, and I am, you know, out in the community going door to door. Um, and I'm he- I talk to folks a lot. I ask them about how they feel about topics. And people will always say, what's going on with EPCAL? That seems like that's been dragging on forever. There have been a lot of starts and stops. And that's why I think it's a good idea to look at the configuration of the sale and the amount of acres that we're trying to sell. And it's hard to find developers that can develop that large amount of, of acreage. So we need to look at some different possibilities on that. Right away, I'm in favor of still in favor of walking away from this and as far as how did this get there I think this was a last this was a situation where it was like a last minute campaign thing pitched in um you know someone pitched it in the apartment building downtown because Patchogue had residential hey apartments work 
the sale at EPCOW were going to bring <clears throat> aviation, and there was even something tossed out about a, a movie theater. So anytime that you have stuff thrown in for political reasons at the last minute, it's not right. We need well, to look yeah, at what's best for Riverhead. It wasn't best for Riverhead. I just wonder if it was a little bit of, and people can't hear this over the microphone, but wipe our hands clean of it, you know? Yes. Kind of move on, and that there's a large population of the public that's kind of like, yes, let's wipe our hands clean with it, because we're sick of hearing about it for, I mean, 20 years now. Yes, and and I told, totally agree. Uh, concerning the political cloud, I don't know if I would make that statement. I wasn't around. I wasn't around for the uh, apartment buildings. Um, and I, I'm not going to go back. I need to look at now in the future. I will be ma- making a decision for, um, by May on that and, 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 and have it justified. Um, my decision on EPCA has nothing to do with politics. I came in to office. I had no political ties, no political background. And um, I was a committee member, but that was it. And uh, what I do in my office now and the next two years, if I'm not the supervisor, I know I did the best that I can. I represented represented my entire community. And uh, politics will never, ever um, taint the way I think. It's, a, it's actually disingenuous to say, you know, I inherited this. It's out of my hands. When you had that, you absolutely, we could have walked away. We already could have walked away. The town and board has also, to walk away. also, there hasn't even been that much information. I, I have continually sent emails and asked for updates on the EPCAL property. So um, to say that it was out of your hands, simply not true. Catherine, can you just please send me those emails because we have none. Uh, So that's we're not going to go back as far as the decision on EPCOUNT is made by the entire board. We keep on telling you there's five people. You're not engaged with the council people. You're not engaged with myself. I have people from my office asking to meet with you to up uh, to update us on, on any projects or any concerns you haven't been engaged at all since I took office um, so that is not correct and can you just please refrain from making those statements let's, let's stick with the issues again personal attacks uh, claim, making claims blaming the supervisor the people of the town of Riverhead elected us to solve problems cohesively together and not point fingers. Run on your substance what you've done. You know, we're kind of running out of time. These are but issues. I would um, defer to Tim on this because you've covered it more, but I do feel like um, we really haven't scratched the surface much on uh, talking about Manorville and drinking water. Yeah, so um, we're hearing Suffolk County Water Authority take the property, and um, we also have people who are looking for water, and they're not getting it. Um, what, what's being done there? I think we've, we, we've progressed um, pretty far. Are they, what about okay. water? Are yes, okay. The DEC wants it to be them, right? Uh, not in Manorville. No. It's in Epcow that they want. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, <coughs> Contamination of the water in the Manorville area, consisting of six, 60 homes, has existed for uh, over 20 years, where they use uh, firefighting uh, materials for training, and it seeped into into the water. And there's been some concerns. Um, the Navy 
um, who is responsible for the contamination. I've had RAB meetings um, with the uh, residents. And then just recently, within the last year and a half, they started to finally, after so many years, started doing testing. And they have determined that there is PFAS and PFOA in the water. Um, so we, we are recently getting the data. I was, when I came into office in February, uh, knowing that this was a big issue, I created, uh, I asked, and it was passed by the entire town board through a resolution to what's to do what's called a mapping plan, indicating uh, that we are ready. This is the plan. It's, it's completed by engineers. We paid for it. The taxpayers of, uh, of our town um, of, of Riverhead paid for this mapping plan. I wanted us to be ready. As soon as any funding was made available, um, that we can pursue and immediately start hooking these residents to water. Um, unfortunately, that was in February, and with COVID and things shutting down through government, um, there were very few grant applications were available. In fact, a lot of the grants that were available throughout 2020, um, they remained closed. They never opened them up. In the meantime, I personally reached out to uh, our Schumer's office. Um, I reached out to uh, Congressman Selden. We've had a meeting, um, and he was, uh, a a along with um, Gillibrand, we've had conversations, emails going back and forth to attempt to um, to obtain funding. And at the current time, we are speaking to our two senators and our congressmen. They have bills in Washington, uh, two different bills for us to obtain funding. And our office uh, has created uh, an additional grant. And uh, I understand last week a, a second grant is, is available. We expect the funding to happen pretty quickly. Uh, Last month, I got a call from, uh, excuse me, I got a, an email from Schumer's office indicating that um, our request for funding for the Manorville area is well on its way and it's looking great. Those are, and as soon as that happens, we it we can um, we'll, we'll hook them up. The same funds and the same grants that we and this is going to answer your question, uh, Tim. The same grants are being applied to by the uh, Suffolk County Water Authority. And the same grants, um, in fact, there were indicators from Washington that maybe Lead River had just submit theirs. They have their own water district. They'll hook them up. And Suffolk County, you hook up Brookhaven because you are their supplier. Um, so they're, they're asking for the same grant grants. Whoever gets the grants, they should hook up the the. Um, they should hook up those 60 residents. I just feel like if I'm a resident that I live there, it just sounds like such a dangerous, such a scary situation. It's something that requires like immediate action. And I feel like, you know, we're waiting on grants and we're seeing who and will it be the water authority. Like to me, I would just be, and I don't live there, but to me, I would just be like, can we get this done now? Right. So I'm going to jump in here. This is something that we need to act on immediately. You know, we need to, certainly in Calvert, there's several water issues here. I'll, I'll address each of them quickly. In Calverton, we already have the infrastructure and the pipes there that we could hook up their water immediately. We could, Riverhead Town Water Department could hook them up. And then from there, we need to go after Grumman. We need to go after Grumman about the contamination there. Um, as far as Manorville's concern, we, we need to get everyone to the table and act, figure out a way that we, this can be done immediately. No one should have to worry about their drinking water. No one should be playing politics with their water. They shouldn't be afraid to bathe their child in the water. 
you know, it's scary for them. And it's a, and they're passionate about it because it's an emotional issue. So we need to – certainly I have um, been in contact with Schumer's office. He's been a good partner on this. But we need to also sit down with Brookhaven and Suffolk County Water and whatever way we can get the water to them, that's how it has to be done. A couple of other things, we also have emerging contaminants. If, you know, recently there was, you know, contam- they've been testing old landfills in the area and they did find some contaminants um, over by our landfill. But that's a regional issue. And I think on that issue, we need to work together with other towns and other, you know, other entities within the region, and that's something that we need to address. And lastly, with our water department, certainly there's concerns about our infrastructure. That's not something that we can kick down the road. Development should not be outpacing our infrastructure, and we need to make sure that we're maintaining our wells uh, and keeping up our infrastructure. And I just want to respond that we also created a water forum with a lot of the stakeholders in it, on it, um, on the committee. Um, we've had, um, a few weeks ago, we had a water forum, went open to the public, and uh, uh, just to share information. I have worked with Edma Romaine, and at one time we were going to join in to request uh, mutual funds, and uh, we were told by... Um, in Washington, that it's best for us to have separate funds because it would be separate um, water authority. You know, it would be Riverhead and versus uh, Suffolk County. So at one point we were going on together to to uh, make this request, and uh, so we did separate it. And Suffolk County decided to continue and apply also. So whoever gets the water gets the gets um, should um, address this. I totally agree with the uh, councilwoman that people deserve pure, clean water immediately. Um, the issue of us, um, the town paying for a, um, the water extension, the board has decided that it's not fair, and this is a collective um, a, a concern that we should not, um, it should not burden the taxpayers. Uh, these uh, individuals um, purchase homes, and um, the this was an issue then. Um, it looks at the current time that we are moving very quickly. We are, they are going to be um, cooked up to the water, and uh, that's the this is where we are, but we're moving. And I personally believe, I look I look back, there was never um, so much effort put into addressing the water authorities since I took office. I mean, as soon as I got in, the map of plan, you know, in February, a month later, uh, we are pursuing um, that effort. And it looks like the, we, we are going to get the funding and uh, we're going to move forward and we're going to stay on top of it. And... Uh, I fully agree with uh, the councilwoman. That's that's where we should be, and nobody should be concerned with uh, having clean, healthy, adequate water. Um, it, it, it's one of our essentials. It's we need it to survive, and uh, this is going to be resolved. What's the time frame? We're suspecting within a, uh, three months that we're going to you're going to hear with the funding. Um, you know, and it's it's if we get the grant. Uh, depending on where it comes, if it comes from grants or if it comes from um, allocation, there were two water infrastructure bills in Congress right now. So we're just waiting for it to just pass through. And that's the purpose is for situations like Matterville and even um, River Avenue, uh, Edwards Avenue in that area because there is some contamination. So we are um, in the process of uh, becoming part of it, and that's the purpose is to pro- provide pure, clean water throughout the United States. But the cost wouldn't be borne by the resident of 
60 residents or whatever, it would be the grant who would take care of it? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we have to see the specifics of the grant. Sometimes what happens when you, when you uh, receive a grant, there's a matching. And we're hoping that it isn't a matching. But if it's a matching, at that point, whatever it is, we, we, the town should absorb it. I totally agree if there is a matching. Town-wide. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we can always, I mean, we want to get the grants, but we can't bank on that all the time. I think we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan B. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, you know, and I think we, whatever way we can get the water to them, we need to get them the water the fastest. And just to go back really What's quick. What's the plan B? We, the plan B is we may have to bond out is $9.2 million. Okay. Um, and then to go back to the infrastructure, you know, when we have these major projects coming in, for example, you've got HK Ventures coming into Calverton, mm -hmm. which is a massive project. We need to have these, de uh, we need to work with developers. They should be paying, s doing their own wells and offsetting the cost so it doesn't all fall on the taxpayers of Riverhead. And that is in the works, and it's great. I, I have not seen that in the last um, almost two years. Um, three months ago, um, I gave the direction to the planning department and to our attorneys, and I believe yesterday they were negotiating two wells on a project that's coming in. So we're well on our way, and I agree. We need to have a, a, our infrastructure, and I said it early when we started this taping, that the burden should not be on our taxpayers. It should be on the developers. And, and Mr. Mancini, our, the head of our water district, brought that to the board, and I just have to do a shout-out to him. We are very blessed to have him. He's excellent. Um, one other topic, and then I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, I think we both agree on this. The um, picking up of loose leaves, uh, it seems like the town board members want to do it. The highway, current highway superintendent doesn't want to do it, mm -hmm. and then you got two guys running for his position. And they're sort of up in the air. They don't really know it. Um, so the question, do you favor the town picking it up and who pays for it? Okay, I just want to go back to the statement that the councilwoman said uh, where uh, Superintendent uh, directed that uh, the infrastructure was built. We've been working on that, and we've had many meetings, and as a result of that, he did bring it to the town board. So let's not change the, that fact. Getting back to the loose leaf, our residents deserve to have loose leaf pickup. Um, I've have, I have emails that indicate that no other town in the East End, I lived in Hampton Bays for 20 years, and they're still picking up leaves. And, and so it is uh, practice out here. It's practice. It's only doing it if you're 70. Oh, they are. They are. Um, That's we getting are, proofed in a different way. <laughs> yeah. There is, there is pickup in this area. Um, and actually, as of yesterday, I directed my legislative, legislative aid to look at all the towns and give me a breakdown. So I'll give that to you when we get it. decision would it be, the town board or the The town board decides, and they, they agreed uh, for um, the pickup. Our residents deserve that. Um, it, I don't think that, um, especially during COVID now, and we have such a high senior population that, that you should take a service. You take that service away from them. And there is a personnel built into it. There are two individuals that are, um, that are, have been hired, uh, just to, um, increase the staffing levels, um, when that time of year, um, nears that, you know, they're responsible for going out. They've also purchased additional equipment for that purpose. And, um, our, um, accountant 
has actually a breakdown of uh, the uh, funds that we are giving to the department. And uh, it's been documented for many, many years that the highway superintendent um, is responsible for picking up leaves. And we're going to continue that. As far as um, it not happening, um, the highway superintendent was directed by myself, um, uh, Tim Hubbard, and um, they'll, they'll have to pick up the leaves. Well, he, um, the, uh, we re- received an email just recently. Uh, I think it was within the last two days um, concerning the leaf pickup. And um, the attorneys are looking at the, the legality of um, ensuring that this service is uh, provided to the residents of Riverhead. So it should happen. It should happen. People, like, people like the leaf pickup. I know yes. that um, other towns don't do it, but people in Riverhead like it. But as of yesterday, Mr. Woodson said he would not do the leaf pickup because, unless the town board pays him for it. And I, I can't remember the exact amount, but I thought it was around 210000 um, for the leaf pickup. He's an elected official. He runs his own you know, he has his own budget and his own department, and he is saying that he will not pick up the leaves unless the town board reimburses That's him for it. By the end of the year, we're going to have a different highway superintendent. Mm-hmm. And um, they were kind of, they didn't really want to take a position at this point. But, um, but regardless if they're elected or not, anybody who gets paid uh, from um, the taxpayers have to service the taxpayers. Could there be like a referendum on this? This is possible. We could also have the, you can start legal action. But the supervisor cannot direct Mr. Woodson as to what he has to do. He's an elected official. Just as the town board, we are equal members. We do not work for the supervisor. We work for the people of Riverhead. Just to, uh, to clarify that, that number you mentioned, that 210000 I think you said. Yeah, I'm not that, sure that's exactly right. right. It was right. around that, uh, Th- as I recall. That's a figure that would go toward salaries for the highway department employees to be doing this work is that what that money i I believe he you know looking at costs and equipment Equipment you know and i I don't want to i don't have that number in front of me but i remember it was a pretty large amount that it cost him to do the leaf pickup and you know it right i see people raking their leaves out in the street already so it needs to be resolved i just want to make one final statement and um the councilwoman said uh uh, you don't order another elected official. There we go with the politics again. We need to work cohesively together as a board with the superintendent, with every every department head uh, to start dissecting and who does who and who's responsible. Um, when we are here together to share ideas with the public, I, I, I think it's, it, it's not appropriate. Okay. All right, we're at two hours. Thank you both so much for doing this. Thanks. Okay, guys. And thank you. I hope you were enlightened. Thank you very much for asking us good questions. I hope you were enlightened. I hope you were enlightened. Asking us good questions. You know, because it's complicated, you know.